Welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We like to bring you guys all of the league's top stories from the week. And this week, we have, of course, one story that prevails over them all. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky. We have a fun show for you guys today as we are going to kick off the show by discussing Sidney Crosby's impromptu wrist surgery with Hunter Hodes of the Locked On Penguins. And then a little bit later in the show, I'm going to overview all of the biggest off-season storylines that took place throughout the year because it is only our second episode of the Hockey Hotbed, and I wasn't able to give my opinion on all of those throughout the summer as I was trying to set this medium up. But now that it is here, I'm going to give you all my opinions on that and more later in the show. But as I mentioned, we're starting it off with Sidney Crosby having wrist surgery out a minimum of six weeks. And to discuss that, like I mentioned, we're bringing on Hunter Hodes of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Hunter, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. You know, definitely it was actually kind of funny. I was getting ready to record yesterday. I had all my things, um, <clears throat> excuse me, ready to go. And then, you know, right as I click recording, they just they put that tweet out as I'm checking Twitter. So um, there's never a boring moment with this franchise. No, and even some of the people in media said that the tweet went out before the press release went out like an hour before the press release went out. So this was something that seems like the Pittsburgh Penguins really wanted to be able to break themselves and wanted to get out ahead of. It definitely sounds like this was not leaked by anyone beforehand. So um, they wanted to probably keep this as quiet as they can. And they did a pretty good job of that because none of the big hockey insiders, you know, Cerebelli uh, with Daily Faceoff, Friedman with Sportsnet, the Bob father with his semi-retirement over there with his uh, cottage house, Pierre Lebrun, they, they didn't say anything or neither. And any of the penguins media didn't say anything either. So mm-hmm. um, props to them for kind of keeping that um, a bit on the DL as you know, the kids like to say. Yep. So the big news obviously was that Sidney Crosby underwent successful wrist surgery and will be out a minimum of six weeks. We are of course only four weeks away from puck drop on the beginning of the 2021, 22 NHL season. And with this surgery, that means both Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin will be out to start the regular season. Hunter, what does the Penguins center depth look like now that those two are out? <laughs> uh, you know, you're looking at first line center Jeff Carter. So uh, <laughs> you might be able to see him get, you know, if, if he can repeat that 16 points in 20 games stuff, um, that would be pretty fun. Well, let, let's just say that. <laughs> uh, that would be now pretty awesome considering he will be going up against top line competition and not third line competition like he was doing uh behind Sid and Gino, especially in the playoffs. Um he's your number one guy probably playing with Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Uh second line center, you're probably looking at Teddy Bluger. Um maybe he plays with Kappen and maybe he plays with Jason Zucker. I think that's probably your line combinations right now. Third line, you're probably looking at Evan Rodriguez, I mean, he <laughs> plays right wing, he plays center. Heck, they could put Jake Ensel at center if they want to because he is a natural – he's a natural mm-hmm. center um, – natural center, excuse me. But yeah. um, they're not going to do that. That just would not be <laughs> – that would not be that good. Um, but I think you're honestly looking at Rodriguez with Brock McGinn and 
maybe Danton Heinen. Um, I'm not really sure, but it, it, it's just it, – it drops off really quickly. Fourth-line center, as of right now, you're probably looking at Brian Boyle, who mm-hmm. was not even in the league last year. Um, he played in 2019-20. His numbers have just really dipped the last couple of years that he's played in the league. He's always usually been that consistent 10 to 13 goal scorer, but I don't think you're going to get that anymore. Uh, but if he has at least a decent camp, he should make the team. Um, if Sid was not ha- going to get the surgery and he was healthy, I'm not really sure he would even make the team. But now with this, um, you could definitely see why they signed into that PTO just because I think Hextall knew at that point that Sid was going to um, have that surgery. So that's probably what your snow depth looks like right now. I don't know. Maybe Redeem Zahorna steps in. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Hextall talked about Michael Chaput yesterday, but I don't, I barely even know who that guy is at this point. I think he's played a little bit in Arizona. I think he played a little bit in Montreal, if I'm not mistaken, but he didn't really do much there. I mean, hopefully you're not seeing fourth line center Sam Lafferty in the lineup. I don't, I don't think anyone wants, even when the team is banged up or healthy, I don't think a lot of people want to see that considering how just really inconsistent he is. But mm-hmm. um, unless they make another move for a center, which looks doubtful, I personally like Tyler Bozak if they want to bring in someone for on a PTO or like a cheap one-year deal. Played fine last year before getting hurt, and then the years before that, he was always that consistent 12 to 15 goal scorer. Um, his only numbers have went down a little bit, but um, if you're comparing him to someone like Brian Boyle or Evan Rodriguez, I'd probably put Bozak in there over those two. So mm-hmm. um, that's something I would do if I were Hextall, but I'm not sure if he's going to due to the cap situation. You mentioned Jake Gensel and the fact that he technically is a natural center, but he hasn't played it for several, several seasons. I feel like when I look at this, the transition from winger to center is a lot more difficult than making the transition back from center to wing. But at the same point, he does have all of training camp. Why do you shut that idea down when you think about it? I just think they prefer him on the left wing a lot more. He He's more mm-hmm. dangerous there. I think, and that's how I think how Mike Sullivan has always wanted him to be. I mean, you know, I remember when Jim Rutherford was talking about that when he was the GM and how they wanted a third line center, and he said like, "Oh, Jake could play center," and it's like, you're not going to do that. You know how good he is next to Sid or Gino or whoever he plays um, with. You know he's a pure goal scorer. That's where you want him. I think if he's mm-hmm. a center, um, that takes away you know what he's best at, and that's you know scoring goals off the rush. You're just being arguably, you know, one of the, I shouldn't say arguably, um, he is one of the best pure left wingers in the sport and one of the best pure goal scorers in the sport as well. So I think you're taking both of those away uh, when you move him to center. I just don't think it makes a lot of sense, um, at least in my opinion. And he just, he hasn't done it in a long time. And you also said, I think moving to center, it, it, and it's probably only going to be for a few games. Why do it? I mean, Mm -hmm. it'll kind of mess up his mojo, I think, a little bit. Keep him at left wing. You can put him with Jeff Carter. I think that will work just fine. Brian Russ there, too. It's a decent top line, except, you know, Jeff Carter is not a top line center in the NHL anymore. Yeah, and obviously, it is a gaping hole left by Sidney Crosby. Let's talk about the effect on Sidney Crosby, because this wrist injury is something that, if you read the news yesterday, he's been dealing with. And I even forgot personally that he had wrist surgery last offseason, and the news release was on September 1st of 2020. So the fact that now he has finally gotten the surgery, what does this surgery mean for Sidney Crosby? Obviously, we, we know the timetable is six-week minimum, but once he returns, what does this surgery mean for the rest of his 2021-22? 
hopefully it means that he's fully healthy. I was speculating on my show yesterday that because <clears throat> they said it was something that he's been dealing with for years. I thought it was the same injury that he had from 2014 with the Rangers where he was playing with. I don't know if it was a broken wrist or a sprained wrist, but um, he was not mm-hmm. gripping the puck well at all. And I think only had a few points during those playoffs. He was just not himself. So that was the first thing I thought of, but I think he might've had surgery after those playoffs anyway. Um, but you would hope and think that this would mean that he's fully healthy and he can get back to the level that we've seen him play at um, for all of his career. Because even this past year, playing on a bummed wrist, he was still, what, over a point per game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that was with a pretty bad wrist, it sounds like. And that surgery that he had a year ago didn't seem to work that well. So now if he had this surgery and the doctor said that, okay, this is the surgery that's going to make it fully better, you would think that that can hopefully have him elevate his game to a level that we didn't see this past season or in the playoffs. Because even in the playoffs, he had that one goal in game one but after that, you didn't really hear from him too much, right? I mean, his underlying numbers are really good, but he wasn't finishing on his chances despite um, destroying the pellet pull-off pairing. But, you know, a lot of the media is not going to tell you that. But you know, also that does have to do with Ilya Sorokin. But mm-hmm. um, there was still part of him that didn't seem to be all the way there. And I'm hoping that this surgery that he had now um, will bring him back to that. Obviously, it sucks that he's probably going – he's definitely going to miss at least the first week of the season. You would hope that it's not – more than that because we don't know what's going to happen with Gino. I think Hextall said mm-hmm. that he's going to have an update on him when training camp starts. There's been so many reports that he's going to miss so many months, but you know, there's also been reports that he's not going to miss much time at all. We really have no idea. So the sooner he gets back, the better. And the sooner that he's 100% healthy from the surgery, um, the better because they can't afford to have too bad of a start to open the season. But also I will say, these are the kind of situations where the Penguins thrive. You remember back in 2011, I know a whole mm-hmm. different team, they literally ran the table, made the playoffs with Jordan Stahl as the number one center. And then freaking who was their second? I'm trying to remember their second line center of that season. Um, it'll, it'll come to me, but mm-hmm. it was just a bunch of, a bunch of dudes basically. So um, I think at this point, the team is a bit deeper than that team. So we'll have to see, maybe Tristan Jari goes on the heater and goes like nine fifty for the first week or something. <laughs> And you mentioned Evgeny Malkin and, and the fact that he has not been given a timetable up to this point. Obviously, Hextall saying that he's going to have an update for him at the beginning of the training camp is nice. But still, the fact that we have to wait till training camp when this surgery happened months ago to even know what we have as a timetable for Evgeny Malkin. Does that make you nervous going into the season, not knowing how long we're going to be without what would be our first line center if he was healthy right now? Yeah, it is a bit nerve-wracking. I'll definitely say that. There's really been no update since he had the surgery, and we're, what, two months mm-hmm. past it, I'm pretty sure, after he uh, had surgery for multiple torn ligaments. I think it was a mm-hmm. PCL, and he tore his MCL. And, you know, for those that want to say that Evgeny Malkin doesn't give a damn, uh, he had a point, he was over a point per game in that seven-game in that seven game series, and he played on one name. So um, that just goes to show how much he does care um, for this organization. Anyways, going back to my original point, um, it is a little bit concerning. Um, I do want to see the official update when it comes out. Hopefully it's no more than maybe a couple weeks to a month at most. Um, Hextall did say yesterday they are not going to go the route of the Tampa Bay Light with Nikita Kucherov. They're not going to put on my LTIR to you know, cheat, cheat the salary cap, as everyone likes to say. Um, it just – I don't think it would make sense, too, because he's going to be mm-hmm. back before the end of the season. This is not a 56-game season. But um, I'm hoping – again, I'm hoping it's just a month at most, but – 
Um, I really don't think that he has any update right now because he probably just hasn't been in contact with him. But once Gino comes back to Pittsburgh for training camp, I think they'll be able to have a more clear picture on when they expect him back because it has been at least a couple months since that surgery. So um, we'll have to see where the rehab is at. For sure. Uh, definitely. So let's talk about somebody who isn't injured for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And you did mention his name a little bit earlier, but how much more pressure does this put on a guy like Tristan Jari, who already he's going to have eyes on him. He's going to have a lot of pressure on him after his performance last postseason. But in these early games, Without Crosby, without Malkin, you're going to need your defense to perform and you're going to need your goaltender to perform. So Tristan Jari already having pressure on himself because of last season. How much more pressure does this put on him personally? I, I think a little bit, you know, just definitely a little more amplified pressure for him to perform, especially because, you know, both the centers are going to be out for the first week of the season. But, you know, I think the organization is hoping that a new goalie coach is really going to uh, progression with his game, you know, Mike Buckley, this is not the first goalie that has tanks under him. And people forget that Matt Murray, uh, really underachieved, uh, while Mike Buckley was the coach. Um, and Casey DeSmith is honestly probably the only goalie that's played better under Buckley, um, mm-hmm. than, you know, pr- previous, you know, goalies have, but, um, I, de- I definitely think there is a little bit more pressure to, you know, keep the team in games. Hopefully they can get some saves where, you know, maybe, when the team is not playing well that they need, you know, so they can hopefully go down and score a goal in a game where they probably don't deserve to win. That happens in hockey all the time. You know, teams get outplayed, score goals in the final few minutes where, you know, they don't deserve to win, but you know what, that's the way it goes, especially when the, you know, goaltending is always a great equalizer. And if he can be really good in that stretch and give them at least maybe 920, 925 goaltending, um, I really think that'll, that'll go a long way for them to stay in contention in the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Division going into uh, November, at least. Mm-hmm. And contention is basically where they want to stay because you're missing Crosby, you're missing Malkin. The expectation when you have those guys is not to win 60% of your games. You're hoping for, honestly, an even split. If you have eight games in October and you don't have either of those two players, you would hope probably without those guys, best case scenario, you're four and four through those games. So, Looking at this from your perspective, with Evgeny Malkin out, with Sidney Crosby out, with all the issues that they have had and they will have with lineup decisions, with center depth, with goaltending going into the season, do these injuries make it a short-term issue just when they're out, or is this something that could affect the long-term success of the team in 2021-22? That's a good question. Maybe it's a bit of both. Um, it definitely could in- impact the long term of this season because, you know, what if they're both not healthy or as healthy when they come back? And especially with Gino coming off a huge surgery where multiple ligaments were replaced his knee, mm-hmm. how is he going to play, right? I mean, is he going to be back to the Gino that, you know, we saw before he got that knee injury? Because he was playing his best hockey of the season uh, before that injury happened against the Bruins. I mean, he mm-hmm. was really turning it around. I want to say that happened, uh, what, mid-March, mid to late March, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, all, all hell broke loose with that. And then with Sid, you know, again, you know, how do we know that his wrist is going to respond better to this surgery? So um, that's big long-term. I think for short-term, you know, you just, you got to tread water, right? I mean, if you're at least 500, when one of them comes back, you can run the table um, and be well above 500, I think, mm-hmm. until Gino comes back, whenever that happens. Because I obviously think Sid is probably going to come back before Gino is. 
Um, and then once he comes back and then the two-headed monster is, you know, back in full force, then you can really, you know, balance out your lines, balance your defense, you know, your goaltending, you can split the starts with however you want to do it. Um, obviously the team is going to be in a much better spot, but you know, short term, just stay treading water. I really think that's the mm -hmm. biggest key. You can't lose six out of seven out of the gate or, you know, lose your first four to five games. It's just not going to go over well with anyone in the fan base mm -hmm. or in the organization, but you know, long-term just making sure that both of these guys are 100% healthy because, you know, I don't need to tell you that they're not going anywhere. If both of these guys aren't healthy. <laughs> Yeah, that, that is more than a fair assumption, Hunter, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me here on the Hockey Hotbed. Let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up for you on Locked on Penguins. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes, the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins, about a week and a half, a couple weeks ago. I had Brock McGinn on, so if you want to go uh, listen to that episode, uh, he's I can't wait to see how he does this year. Just seems like a great dude, by the way. Mm. A um, lot of stuff hopefully coming up. Next week is the last week that we're doing three shows a week before we go back to daily episodes when training camp rolls around. I'm trying to bring on some more bigger guests. I'm hopefully uh, going to bring on a player or two before camp starts. It's been in the back of my mind. I'm sending out a couple emails with that. Uh, also have a big season preview that's going to come out probably in a few weeks. That'll be network-wide with all the locked-on hosts. So, it's an exciting time. We got about 30, 34 days till the season starts with the Penguins. So um, I'm getting antsy to put out content every day, man. I'm really excited. This offseason has flown by, but it's also been a bit slow at times. And I can't wait to, you know, be back doing this every day. So I really appreciate you having me on. Of course, Hunter, you know, you're always welcome on both the Hockey Hotbed and the Tip of the Iceberg podcast any day. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will go through the top storylines of the 2021 NHL offseason. We'll be right back. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or, if you're in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. We're back here on the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you to Hunter Hodes for joining us in that first segment to talk about the biggest storyline of this past week in hockey. I mean, Cindy Crosby set to miss, at minimum, 
The first week of the NHL regular season definitely is a blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins' psyche heading into training camp. So thank you to Hunter for jumping on to talk about all things Pittsburgh Penguins and all things Sidney Crosby wrist surgery-wise. But we continue on this show, and we're actually going to finish off this show with two full segments talking about major off-season storylines. This is only episode two of the Hockey Hotbed. I thank everyone for tuning in. This is presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. So with the fact that this is only episode two and this is the end of the first week of the Hockey Hotbed on the air, I figured let's let's take a look back at the major off-season storylines. That way we can put the off-season to bed here on the Hockey Hotbed. And, and let's start off with, to me, what was probably if not the biggest, the second biggest storyline of the entire offseason. And that goes to the Vesna Trophy winner, Marc-Andre Fleury, and the fact that he was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks from the Vegas Golden Knights in what turned out to be the heel turn for the Vegas Golden Knights. If you're a WWE wrestling fan, you understand how long you wanted John Cena to make a heel turn when he had his long babyface run. I don't know if this is quite the same thing because there is a fraction of hockey Twitter and there is a fraction of NHL fan bases that already despise the Vegas Golden Knights for being so good right out of the gate. But at the same time, trading a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, excuse me, especially in the way that they did only getting back Mikhail Hakarainen, who at this moment is just an AHL prospect, understandably it is a cap move. That is the first thing we need to understand, is this is purely a cap move. They needed to make a decision between Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Lehner, and they chose Lehner. And there is a feeling that this was coming, obviously, with the the post of the picture this past, not this past offseason, but last offseason with Marc-Andre Fleury and the sword behind his back by Fleury's agent, Alan Walsh, but... You had to know this was kind of in the air. Flurry having one year left on his contract at $7 million. Yet here we are. We were still all very, very shocked by it. I mean, especially because whenever it was first announced, there was no return. There wasn't even a Mikhail Hakarainen. It was just Marc-Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks. Then, of course, we had all the drama of will he play or will he retire? And luckily, he is going to continue to play because it would be a shame to see a guy and see a player with the career of Marc-Andre Fleury giving it up and hanging it up following a Vezina Trophy season at the age of 36. I think the, there is still more for him to give, and we'll see that in Chicago. Does he make Chicago a contender? That is a question for another day. That is a question I'll answer on my division previews, which are coming up here in the coming weeks, and we'll talk about whether or not Marc-Andre Fleury makes the Chicago Blackhawks a possible playoff team this year, because there are people that believe that, and... Honestly, I kind of subscribe to it a little bit, but like I said, we'll get to that a little bit later in to the preseason predictions in the coming weeks. But let's move on to another one of the most massive stories from the 2021 NHL offseason, and it's one that is still going on today, and that is the Jack Eichel saga. Obviously, the Buffalo Sabres as an organization have not had a fun time over the past I mean, over the past half decade since Jack Eichel has been there. I mean, the arrival of Jack Eichel has been kind of the only shining light on that organization 
in the 2010s. I mean, one of the longest, if not the longest playoff droughts. I don't. I would have to double check that, but one of the longest playoff droughts in the NHL currently and in major sports currently. And it just doesn't look good. They finished low again last season. Of course, a lot of games missed by Jack Eichel. They trade away Sam Reinhart this offseason. They're trying to retain some players. They have Craig Anderson now, the experienced veteran, as their goaltender. They traded away Rasmus Ristolainen to Philadelphia in the offseason. And Jack Eichel is, is, is not going to play another game for the Buffalo Sabres. Yet he is still on their roster because they have yet to trade him. And with that, they've also yet to give him the permission to get surgery. Because this whole thing is based in which surgery Jack wants versus which surgery the Buffalo Sabres want for Jack. Even in the middle of this, Jack Eichel switched agents not too long ago to Pat Brisson. Who, if you want to know one of his most notorious clients, Sidney Crosby, who just up and got a surgery. We talked about that in the first segment. So, with Jack Eichel... One of the best players in the NHL. And he is one of the best players in the NHL. Has been kind of buried in Buffalo for his entire career up to this point. There were rumors that he was going to get traded last season before the injury. Didn't happen. There were rumors that he was going to get traded at the beginning of this season and get the surgery. Didn't happen. And then even his doctor that he had been talking to goes on 31 Thoughts, the podcast. To plead his side of why he wants the spinal replacement surgery. Disc replacement, I should say. Not spinal replacement. Disc replacement surgery. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Sabres want him to get a spinal fusion, which is one that is much more commonly known in the hockey world. But, because of this indecision, Jack Eichel is now going to miss playing time. And that is hurting everybody around the league. Because, obviously, it hurts Jack. Because Jack wants to play. Jack wants to be on a different team. Jack wants to be in a or different organization. And Jack wants to be healthy. But he can't do any of that without this surgery. And he can't do any of that without being traded by the Buffalo Sabres. So I'm not sure where the end of this is. Because there's been very little public knowledge on where trade discussions are. Obviously, we get the weekly updates of this team is in. This team is in. This team is out. This team is in. But... We're running out of time here. Clearly, a Jack Eichel trade is not something that you put a clock on if your teams that are interested in him. You bring him on whenever you can. But at the same time, a lot of teams have to start focusing on the beginning of the season. A lot of teams have to start focusing on the beginning of training camp. Meaning not all of these general managers' focus can go into negotiating with the Buffalo Sabres for Jack Eichel. It is a sad story, to be completely honest. The Jack Eichel and Buffalo Sabres story. But wouldn't you think Buffalo wants to be done with it too? This is the definition of a messy divorce in hockey. Wouldn't you think the Buffalo Sabres want to get him traded? Obviously, you want to get what he's worth because he is worth a lot. You don't trade a guy like Jack Eichel without getting back what you're due for trading a player like Jack Eichel. So that's, that's not what you can do. But at the same time, wouldn't you want this saga to be over so your entire organization could kind of move forward through it? Because I think this hurts the Sabres more than this hurts Jack Eichel, easily. And this hurts the Sabres more than any team Jack Eichel is going to go to. Yeah, they're going to miss Jack Eichel for the beginning of the season because this took so long. Yeah, he is yet to have the surgery, and every day that he doesn't have the surgery is another day further into the season 
that he will not be available for whichever team he's playing for. But for the Buffalo Sabres, your image is already in the toilet in this league. Your fans cannot be happy. From what I've seen, the fans are not happy with how the Buffalo Sabres have been run. Get rid of Jack Eichel, start the dawn of a new day, and start building. And try to build it the right way this time, because you built it wrong last time, and that's why we are in the position we're in right now with the Buffalo Sabres. So Jack Eichel saga continues. And, I mean, with that, so does the Vladimir Tarasenko saga in St. Louis. The only difference is Tarasenko is going to be healthy to start the season. And Tarasenko, there's more of a chance. Now, I don't say there is a 100% of a chance, but there's more of a chance that he stays in St. Louis than Jack Eichel stays in Buffalo. Vladimir Tarasenko, obviously, it came out that he and the St. Louis Blues agreed to try to part ways this offseason in the trade market. That hasn't happened yet. There's been news that Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders are looking into it. Lamorello, of course, a couple weeks ago signed all four players that he was saving up to try to make sure nobody knew what cap space he had. We'll see if that's still a move to happen. But again, with training camp starting in a week or two, you would have to wonder that if there was a deal to be done, the deal would be done. It seemed like Vladimir Tarasenko was not happy with the St. Louis Blues organization due to the way they handled his first two shoulder surgeries. But at the same time, okay, his shoulder is supposed to be healthy right now. He played pretty well in that postseason loss in the first round last year. Had two goals, two pretty nice goals as well. Even though his team got trampled by the Colorado Avalanche. Now you just have to wonder... Okay, with all this being said, can he go back to playing with the St. Louis Blues? I know the Blues have other things that they need to worry about, like signing Robert Thomas, who's a restricted free agent, but this is similar to the Jack Eichel saga in that you would have thought this would be done by now, yet it's not. It's something that we checked in on multiple times over the summer. We had movement at certain times. We actually thought that he was going to be traded. At certain times, we thought it was a done deal, but still nothing happening. So Vladimir Tarasenko, Jack Eichel, two players that want to be in new places, but as of right now are not. So we still have to follow along those. We thought they would be storylines that would be finished in the offseason. Now they're storylines that are going to just bleed right into training camp and possibly right into the regular season this year. Before we head to break, I have one more offseason storyline that I want to talk to you guys about. And obviously, we're going to talk about this a lot because they're going to be in the news a lot. That is the Seattle Kraken, the 32nd team in the NHL. They had their expansion draft. They have a team now. They're getting ready to kick off their season in about a month. We will talk about their playoff chances. We will talk about their roster. We will talk about everything there is to talk about with the Seattle Kraken in a later episode. But the expansion draft itself... Obviously, you go back to that day, and everybody, everybody on hockey Twitter wanted Frank Saravalli's head. (laughs) He definitely made a name for himself. If you didn't know who Frank Saravalli was before that day, you definitely know who he is now. He broke 90% of the selections for the Seattle Kraken before we even got within five hours of the ESPN telecast starting. 
And that's another storyline on that day. ESPN had its first NHL covered event since they reacquired the rights earlier in the year. Uh, it went all right. It, it, it went all right. Chris Fowler, who's normally a college football analyst, was one of the MCs, along with Dominic Moore, who was always featured on NBC Sports. It didn't go poorly. I'll say that. It didn't go poorly. Of course, the, the scenery was great. It was cool looking and seeing they had all the fans. It was nice that they brought in players. But at the same time, the TV broadcast of it all, it, it seemed clunky. And it is the first event for ESPN to cover since reacquiring the rights. So I understand that. And I think a lot of the allure was taken out by Frank Saravalli. So that is not on them. But at the same time, I thought they could have done a little bit more. Some of the video snippets with Kevin Weeks were cool. It was cool to see some of the Seattle legends in the building. Of course, Macklemore. I guess if you can call him a legend, he might be in Seattle. But people like that. And it was, it was a cool event. It's always cool seeing something happen that you're not going to see every day. Obviously, we got Vegas back in 2017. And now we have Seattle. It's probably going to be a while before we see this again. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. But now it's down to business. Now they have a roster. And they made a little bit of noise in the free agency pool as well. So we'll talk about all that in a future episode, as I mentioned. Probably coming up next week, we'll have an episode pretty much solely on the Seattle Kraken. Their playoff chances, what their roster looks like, what you can expect from their roster. We'll discuss all of that most likely next week, if not the following week. But with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will talk about a couple other NHL storylines before we close out the show. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. It's the Hockey Hotbed, Season 1, Episode 2. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. And always remember, the Hockey Hotbed is presented by the Hockey Podcast Network in coordination with DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and odds boosts. Odds boosts. I can't speak today. But definitely use promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're talking about major off-season storylines. We're going to continue that discussion here into the last segment. Once again, thank you to Hunter Hodes for joining us in the first segment to talk about the Sidney Crosby wrist surgery and how it impacts the Pittsburgh Penguins. But we're here to talk a little bit more about major off-season storylines, putting the off-season to bed as we get into the preseason for the 2021-22 NHL season. I have two more major off-season storylines that I wanted to discuss. The first of course, is about the 2021 NHL draft. And if you're a fan of college hockey, if you're the John Butchergrosses of the world, you absolutely loved the 2021 NHL entry draft. I mean, how could you not love the NHL entry draft if you're a college hockey fan? Or even more specifically, if you're a Michigan Wolverines hockey fan. Michigan gets three of the first Five draft picks 
Not only that, but another top five draft pick who was in the U.S. National Development Program committed to Michigan. So you will have four of the top five picks of the 2021 draft all playing at Michigan University for the Wolverines this season. If that team does not win the Frozen Four, I'm not sure how. I mean, I I imagine the majority of these guys are going to be leaving for a couple of weeks at the end of the season to go play for World Juniors. Because we already saw Matty Beneers play for Team USA last year and win a gold medal. I'm sure we're going to see Luke Hughes go play on the World Juniors team. I'm sure we're going to go see Owen Power go play a World Juniors team. Kent Johnson go play World Juniors. But all of those players, when not at World Juniors, will be playing for the Michigan Wolverines. And they will be back in time for the start of the playoffs. So if this Michigan Wolverines team doesn't win, I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, I get a team is more than four players. But at the college hockey landscape, having four of the top five NHL draft picks of that season, if you do not at least sniff the final four, final frozen four, I should say, then something has gone drastically wrong. So let's talk about this a little bit. Owen Power, of course, was always expected to be the number one draft pick in the 2021 draft, and he ends up going to Buffalo. We talked earlier about the state of the Buffalo Sabres organization with the Jack Eichel saga. Not great. The news of Owen Power going back to Michigan instead of trying to play right out of the draft for the Buffalo Sabres is actually really good. We saw a number one overall selection for the Buffalo Sabres playing defense start right out of the gate in Rasmus Dahlin a couple years ago. Did Dahlin shock the world? No, he didn't. Did he play well? Yeah, he played pretty well, and now he's probably one of the better defensemen in the NHL. I wouldn't put it past him. He's definitely the best defenseman on the Buffalo Sabres. But now you have a guy like Owen Power, number one overall selection, decides to go back to Michigan. I think this is good for the Buffalo Sabres. Let's not rush a rebuild. I know that they've had a rough decade. (laughs) They've had a really rough decade. But you don't get out of that by rushing prospects and kind of throwing development by the wayside and just saying, figure it out in the NHL. Certain NHL caliber first overall picks can do that. Connor McDavid was able to do that. Austin Matthews was able to do that. Go back a little further. Alex Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby in the same season were able to do that. We don't need to do that with a guy like Owen Power. So while I know a lot of people were upset, I feel like it was nice to see that a lot of Buffalo fans were like, okay, we're going to correctly handle this situation. And that's good. So I think it'll help Owen Power in the end, and I think it'll help the Buffalo Sabres in the end to let him develop a little bit more playing the great game of college hockey. Now, second overall pick, Matty Beneers. If you watched World Juniors last year, you see how much skill this guy has. Seattle, when it comes to getting your first ever draft pick as an organization, Matty Beneers, you could do much, much worse. That is for sure. Matty Beneers is going to be what I expect, and I might be completely wrong, but I expect Matty Beneers to probably be the best of the top five. I really do. And I know I'm not big on scouting. I haven't been able to get big on scouting based on just 
time and location of where I'm at. But from what I've seen of all of these guys, I think Matty Beniers has probably the most promise coming out of the draft. Out of this top five. That's not to say that Kent Johnson won't be great for the Columbus Blue Jackets, because he very well may be. But I still think Beniers is just kind of a step above that. Now, Luke Hughes going in as a freshman to play at Michigan. That's also that's also big news. You know, you already had three players that played for you drafted. Then you add Luke Hughes, who was drafted from the U.S. National Development Program. You saw the excitement on Jack Hughes' face when he was drafted to the New Jersey Devils. And as I will talk about when we talk about the Metropolitan Division, the New Jersey Devils in the future, not too distant future either, the New Jersey Devils are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And Luke Hughes, along with his brother Jack, are going to be a major reason for that. I, for one, am very excited to see Luke Hughes play the college hockey game. I, for one, am very excited to see Luke Hughes and Owen Power play on the same team. Hopefully, and I, I would have to look into this. I'm not sure which side either of them play. But hopefully, if those two can play on the same D pairing, that might be electric for Wolverines hockey. So, if you're not somebody that has gotten into the college hockey game, now is a perfect year to start. Watch Michigan. Watch Arizona State. Watch Notre Dame. College hockey is growing in this country. Now, it's going to take a while before it gets to the levels of the CHL because the CHL has kind of been more prominent for much more, much longer. And the talent in the CHL is a little bit deeper of a pool than it is in college hockey. But college hockey is making strides. So definitely check that out this season. Amazing that three of the top five players in the draft have already gone to Michigan, will be going back to Michigan, and another one in Luke Hughes will be going to Michigan this upcoming season. So a great year for Michigan in the NHL draft, a great year for college hockey in the NHL draft. That was a huge storyline this offseason. And what I think to me, the biggest storyline that affects the most people in hockey fandom is that finally, only a week or two ago, the NHL, the NHL Players Association, and the IOC finally agreed to terms to send the NHL players back to the Olympic Games in 2022 in Beijing. I am stoked for this. Now, there is still a lot of clauses in which the NHL can pull out. Obviously, with COVID, if it rises again, the NHL can pull out if... The NHL struggles with scheduling at the beginning of the season, has to schedule makeup games in that time. They can pull out of the Olympics. They have a lot of parachutes in this instance. But if all goes according to plan, which I'm an optimist, so I like to believe that it will, we will see NHL players at the 2022 Olympic Games the first time since 2014 in Sochi, Russia. There's a lot of discussions to be had about that, and hopefully once we get closer to the Olympics, we will have a lot of guests on to talk about that. I know Doug Gladke, who is a good friend, has already reached out and said, I'd love to talk about Team USA. I know Neil Villapiano, who is a friend of mine from Devil's State of Mind podcast here on the network. He will love to talk about USA hockey. I know Shane Ryan, who you're going to hear next week on an episode. He'll talk Team Canada every day. 
So we have a lot of discussions coming up about NHL players and the Olympics. But on its face, the ability to see players like Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon all play on the same team for Team Canada, some of them on the same line, is something that we've never seen before. Even if you look at Team USA, Austin Matthews representing USA for the first time at the Olympics. Jack Eichel, if he's healthy, will be on that team. Those guys playing with a guy like Patrick Kane, who has represented Team USA over several Olympics. Jake Gensel from the Pittsburgh Penguins getting his first crack at it. Connor Hellybuck in net. John Gibson in net. There's a lot of really fun storylines. A lot of really fun teams. Team Sweden, Team Finland, they're both going to be extremely talented teams with a lot of big names. So overall, it's just going to be fun to, to see NHL players back at the Olympics. The closest thing we have had in the past half decade was the 2016 World Cup of Hockey. And anybody that remembers that remembers how fun that event was. Now, a big portion of that was Team North America, who were players like Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel. We look back at that team. Yes, they were young at that point. But if you put that specific team together, minus the fact that Matt Murray was their goaltender, if you put that team back together right now, there's no group of players in the world that would stop them. It would be like the 1970s in Team Russia. Team Soviet Union, I should say. But luckily... We're going to split those guys up. Matthews and Eichel and Team USA. McDavid, McKinnon on Team Canada. Obviously, Team Canada is the favorite in this. Of course. You wouldn't expect anything less. They're usually the favorite when NHL players are present. But to be able to see a guy like Sidney Crosby play with a guy like Connor McDavid on the same team for the first time, and probably the only time, not to say Sidney Crosby won't still be playing hockey by 2026, but... He will definitely not be at the height of his powers. I mean, he's not at the height of his powers now. He's coming off wrist surgery. Either way, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It's going to be exciting. And you just hope that the NHL and or the NHLPA don't pull one of their parachutes before February or January. I guess it's in, in January. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Hockey Hotbed. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Thank you to Hunter for joining us in the first segment. We are putting to bed and putting to rest all of the offseason here in this episode. Because starting next week, we're starting previews for the 2021-22 NHL season. Done with the offseason, in with the preseason. Let's go hockey. We'll see you guys next week.